This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Sorry for the delay. Going nowhere fast. Transit workers' job action hits dozens of Metro Vancouver bus routes. Caught on video, an accused killer on the day two Vancouver apartment residents died. You should have better things to do with your life. And doggy DNA, a Metro Vancouver condo complex, takes a high-tech approach to an old problem. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks for joining us. Chris and Sophie are off tonight. We'll get to those stories in just a moment, but we begin with breaking news and new evidence of how far apart BC teachers are with the government and contract talks. That's right. A mediator has been working with both sides since July, and the response to his new recommendations for a settlement does not bode well for labor peace in BC schools. Our Keith Baldry has been following the story and joins us now in Victoria. And this is concerning, Keith. It certainly is. It's just another more than a hiccup along a very rocky road. These are the recommendations released late this afternoon from mediator David Schaub. Uh, it's almost 25 pages covering all sorts of things from grievance, seniority, leaves of absences, a number of provisions. But also here are the key points that he's recommending where he sees the settlement line uh, if the sides were to agree to them. Well, first of all, the key one, uh, is what he's recommending is fits within the government's negotiating mandate, the sustained services mandate. So a three-year contract, just like all public sector unions as well when it comes to the wage increase just like everyone else two percent two percent and two percent over the life of the contract six percent it works out to in wage increases a key recommendation here no change in contract language regarding class size and composition that of course is an ongoing thorny issue and a new wrinkle uh, establishing a 25.6 million dollar fund to work on uh, working conditions and classroom issues and it'll be sort of joint consultation between the employer and the teacher now, the bad news is the Teachers Federation General Assembly, Representative Assembly last week rejected these recommendations saying they simply don't fulfill what they're looking for at the bargaining table when it comes to wages and working conditions. Late this afternoon, the had a, a, news, a, a conference and released a statement saying that uh, it could have, the board of BC Public School Employers Association could have lived with this and worked with it as they try to iron out uh, the structural problems when it comes to negotiating, but decided because the BCTF had already voted, uh, or voted uh, from their assembly against it, it was a moot point to vote on it themselves. So at the end of the day, one step forward, two steps back, not sure what happens next. At the very end of the day, though, this could be the basis of an imposed settlement if they can't get an agreement at the table. Uh, and who knows when that's going to happen. All right, we'll be watching this issue closely, of course. Thanks yeah. for that, Keith. In BC's current school labour dispute, parents in Saanich turned out today to support striking support workers. Equal pay, support staff stay. One day after Premier John Horgan urged the union to accept the school district's latest offer, parents and children joined the support workers on the picket lines. The strike has kept more than 7,300 students out of class for two weeks, and no new talks are scheduled after they broke down on Wednesday. And I know how valued 
the teachers are here and the support workers are here and they do a phenomenal job with our children and I think the parents just wanted to come here today to show um, that they support us and they support the people that are just trying to make a living but also love our children. On day eight of the job action by Metro Vancouver transit workers, thousands more commuters are feeling the pain. The overtime ban by mechanics once again causing the cancellation of 16 C-bus sailings. Also today, 25 bus routes were impacted, most of them high-frequency runs. Our Jordan Armstrong is live in Vancouver tonight with the details. And Jordan, what type of disruptions might we expect after the long weekend? Well, and at this rate, it's likely the union will escalate its job action come Tuesday or Wednesday, possibly extending the overtime ban to bus drivers. The union says that would be felt immediately on the road. In any labor dispute, this is a bad sign. We're not interested in, in games. We're interested in serious negotiations. After a week of job action, the two sides continue to communicate via television cameras rather than face-to-face -face at the bargaining table. We think it's actually just a media game they're playing, and it's very disappointing, and it, it's certainly getting our members more and more frustrated every day. We have officially invited the union, as of a couple of days ago, back to the table to specifically talk about uh, one of their number one issues, which was working conditions. Friday, the impact on commuters worsened. Sorry for the delay. With trip cancellations on 25 high-frequency bus routes, many people were forced to wait. Classes start like in 10 minutes and we, if we are late, we can't come in. So it's going to be tough. Or find another ride. We're going to share a cab. Yeah? Yeah. How long were you waiting for this one? Mm, I'm not too sure. Maybe 20 minutes. Let's keep moving to the rear of the bus, please. Yeah. People have been pretty patient with you guys, though? Yeah, actually, yeah. 16 C-Bus sailings were also cancelled Friday, all because of job action by maintenance workers who are refusing overtime. The union is now, as before, having gradual escalation of pressure. But this labor expert says don't expect a full-out walkout anytime soon. I don't think that a full shutdown would be tolerated, which is why the union's avoiding it. In 2001, a full-scale strike lasted a record 123 days, but that was during fair weather months. And this time, the Premier has said he has no appetite for a repeat. I can assure you that that won't happen on my watch. A bit of short-term good news for those who rely on the C-Bus. TransLink not expecting any C-Bus cancellations this weekend. And for tonight, they've set up a bus bridge to provide extra service between Vancouver and the North Shore. That bus bridge will be in operation from 6.30 to 9 this evening, leaving Waterfront Station going to Lonsdale and vice versa. Ann and Jay, back to you. All right, hopefully the two sides can come together soon. Thanks for that, Jordan. Jordan Armstrong reporting live for us in Vancouver. More than 3,000 students at the University of Northern B.C. and Prince George and Terrace are out of class for a second straight day. UNBC faculty members went on strike after talks between the Faculty Association and the school broke down. The key issue is wages for teachers. B.C.'s independent police watchdog has cleared the North Vancouver RCMP in a suspect's fall from a balcony back in June. Police were called to an apartment building in Lynn Valley for reports of a man with a knife who'd allegedly entered several suites. The suspect tried to escape from police by climbing through a broken window onto a third-floor balcony and then tried to climb onto the roof. He fell and broke his leg. The IIO found that no officers committed an offense during the arrest.
A global exclusive tonight and the first look at critical evidence in the trial of an elderly man accused of killing two people in a Vancouver high-rise. 75-year-old Leonard Landrick is charged with second-degree murder and has pleaded not guilty. As Sarah McDonald reports, surveillance video shows Landrick's activity the morning of the murders. What was Leonard Landrick doing in this surveillance footage, captured in the final hours of his alleged victims' lives? Now at the crux of the elderly accused killer's double murder trial, in which the septuagenarian himself has now been on the stand for days, providing meandering, captivating testimony in his own defense, alleging he was drugged and sodomized by his alleged victims in the weeks before their murders and his arrest. He told everybody that story. They had drugged him and uh, raped him. Those untried and unproven allegations which Crown contends serve as a motive. No surprise to key witness Susan McDonald, who lived in the residential high-rise with the accused and the deceased, both in their 50s. Caretaker Neil Croker and longtime resident Sandra McInnes stabbed to death in July of 2017. McDonald discovering one of the bodies. And as soon as we walked into the bedroom, there was blood everywhere and it was clear that something terrible had happened. Blood also discovered on this shirt, which Crown says Landrick is wearing in this surveillance footage, alleging this is also the accused leaving the building hours later, returning within minutes without it. Landrick testifying he had gone for a walk and tripped and fell, disposing of the shirt and eventually his shoes. He said he was going to sell his apartment and that was what we were hoping would happen. But Landrick, who still owns a unit in the building where he's accused of committing two counts of second-degree murder, hasn't been home in years. Court hearing Friday, he stayed briefly at this shelter in downtown Vancouver after being released from police custody the first time he was arrested, with charges only laid the second time he was led away in handcuffs. Landrick, who has pleaded not guilty to all counts, is expected to remain on the stand for cross-examination well into next week. Sarah McDonald, Global News. Some hope in stopping those relentless phone scams, a solution that may help curb a growing problem. And the Duke and Duchess of Sussex thinking about having a second child. More on the huge hint that was recently dropped. Those stories just ahead. More trouble for the forest industry in the B.C. interior and the last chapter of an Okanagan lumber mill. The writing was on the wall, but today, Tolkal Industries made it official. Kelowna's only mill will close for good in January. It's a sad day for, for our local and, and for a couple hundred workers in Kelowna. The Tokol Mill in Kablona will close its doors for good on January 8th. It does give closure for some of the workers, uh, but that mill's been there since the late 30s, and, and the city's sort of been built around it, right? So it's very hard for, for a lot of the members to walk away from it. While the news is sad for former employees, it doesn't come as a surprise. Well, the conditions were really tough, and we knew that we were surviving just barely, but once the stumpage fees and the taxes came upon us, uh, 17% and then another 3.5% while we were shut down. There's just no way we were going to open up again this way. So The shutdown, just the latest blow to BC's lumber industry, with high log costs and poor North American market conditions being blamed. In an online statement, Tolko's president and CEO expressed concern for affected employees. 
At this time, our thoughts are with impacted employees in Kelowna. This is a difficult decision. The Kelowna Mill has been in operation since the 1930s and has contributed to the community through job creation and many other economic spin-offs for more than 80 years. The shutdown comes as the local United Steelworkers Union was planning a rally at the mill in an effort to gain the attention of the provincial government. The union had vowed to pressure the government to lower log costs by lowering taxes and stumpage fees. doesn't seem to be anybody willing to move one way or another. So uh, in the effects, uh, mills are shutting down all over the province. Former employees will be provided detailed information about what to expect in terms of severance, benefits and retirement packages sometime next week. The United Steelworkers Union plans to help displaced workers transition into new employment with the help of the provincial government. Kimberly Davidson, Global News, Kelowna. And more forestry concerns. Interfor is reporting a $35.6 million net loss in its third quarter. That includes write-downs related to the decision to close its Hammond sawmill in Maple Ridge by the end of the year, as well as restructuring costs. In last year's third quarter, Interfor posted a net profit of more than $28 million. A Burnaby condo complex is taking some high-tech action to combat an age-old problem. Owners who don't clean up after their pets. The Strata Corporation is requiring all dog owners to provide a DNA sample from their pet. Jill Bennett explains where they take it from there. Dog owners can all agree, these four-legged friends are part of the family. But that means when Fido has to go, it's the owner who needs to step in. I think it's just common sense to pick up after your dog. Not everyone seems to be getting the message. The Strata Corporation at this 291-unit condo complex in Burnaby recently signed on with Poo Prince Canada, adopting a list of rules, making it mandatory for each dog owner to spend $60 to register their pet's DNA. It starts with a simple swab. Everything is sent to our lab, which is in Knoxville, Tennessee. Uh, where within two weeks you have DNA specific to that dog. The company has already had success in the United States, bringing in millions since it started testing dog DNA. Dog owners who don't pick up can face fines ranging between $150 and $250 if a second test proves positive. They take a small piece of it in our proprietary uh, uh, kit and send it down to our lab. And within two weeks, we would know uh, which pet and owner it belongs to. It sounds simple enough, but the Condominium Homeowners Association of BC is raising concerns about privacy and whether or not rules put together by a third-party company can be enforced at all. It doesn't deal with things like visiting pets. It doesn't deal with pets from other neighboring properties. Um, You know, all it can basically do is simply isolate your pet's innocence. There's a real serious question as to what extent um, the fines and the penalties can be imposed. Would you be okay having to put your dog's DNA into a databank and then you get fined if you didn't clean up after your dog? No, I think it's ridiculous. I don't know how cost-effective that would be, but uh, it's, it's interesting. If you have that much time to do a DNA on dog feces, you should have better things to do with your life. It's unclear if other strata corporations will jump to join the dog DNA registry or if the idea is a little too far-fetched. Jill Bennett, Global News. Surveillance video will help catch the suspects in a pair of poppy box thefts. Since Sunday, the Joy of Coffee in Murrayville Square has had three of its Remembrance Day donation boxes stolen in two incidents. 
Both heists were captured on video. On Sunday night, a lone suspect walked out with two poppy boxes. Then on Thursday, a couple hit the shop with the man distracting the barista. The woman covered the box and grabbed it. What do you think of people that would steal money that's headed towards helping veterans? They're scumbags. Not very nice people. They should, uh, there's not much you can do, but hopefully they can catch them. More than one million Canadians served in the Second World War, but fewer than 41,000 are still with us. Determined to keep the stories of the surviving veterans alive, a young Victoria filmmaker has embarked on a cross-country mission. Kylie Stanton has more on the inspiration behind his journey and the remarkable memories he uncovered. That's the German surrendering. Showing off documents, pictures, Cheese. medals, and pins. This is from yes. the war, right? Second yeah. World War. Oh, yeah. Every piece a part of their story. So I'm going to just attach this onto your collar here. And the time has come to share it. It's crazy because you're just sitting in their living room like we are now. There's you guys in Hong Kong. You got to kind of make them like you fast because uh, you're going to start delving into some of the, maybe some of the darker times of their, uh, of their life and especially of their youth. Eric Brunt did this 400 times. He spent a little more than a year traveling across the country, interviewing veterans from Vancouver Island to Cape Spear, Newfoundland. But the project was inspired by just one. My grandfather, Clifford Brunt, was a Second World War veteran. He died in 2013 at the age of 95, and his war stories went with him. So it made me think what other veterans might be out there in our city, in our province, who haven't told their story just because no one's been interested or um, they just haven't felt ready to share it. A story's got to be told, so... Don't back off on this one. It turns out his instincts were right. I never talk about it. There are roughly 40,000 of the 1.1 million Canadians who served in the Second World War still alive. The average age, 94. For Brunt, a sense of urgency set in. Sometimes I feel like a reporter chasing a story that happened 75 years ago where all the witnesses in the story are passing away and it's like trying to catch something and like the sand's coming through your fingers. Bring back so many memories. Does it? But those Brunt did manage to speak to will now have their stories live on in the documentary The Last One Standing. Brunt is hoping to release it in time for next Remembrance Day and the 75th anniversary of the end of the war. Just to honor their memory and know that I was one of the few, if the only person they shared this story with. Currently in post-production, Brunt is looking for a distributor and is raising money on his own. But what he does have is a sense of responsibility. Of the 400 veterans he's interviewed, 60 have since died. In a way, it's his motivator to make this documentary as best as it can possibly be. As for Clifford Brunt. I think he'd be proud, um, certainly, and I hope that he would be. While he may not be a part of it, he set the project in motion. A constant reminder, time is of the essence. Kylie Stanton, Global News, Victoria. For the fourth year in a row, a no stone left alone remembrance ceremony was held in a remote BC ghost town. A group of junior rangers flew to Antioch, B.C. last month. The former company-owned mining town is located 60 kilometers south of Stewart on the observatory inlet and is largely abandoned. But as Aaron MacArthur reports, the ranger patrol is ensuring the fallen soldiers buried here are not forgotten. Buried 
at the very edge of Canada, yet not forgotten. Fifteen World War I veterans remembered with dignity. A group of junior rangers from Stewart and Telqua cleaning the graves of volunteers who returned home. We knew the cemetery was here and we conducted an exercise here and did some uh, searches. And we were able to find the cemetery and have been coming back every year since. The men, all volunteers from the mining community of Antioch. The Granby Mining Company let 400 men leave to fight the Great War, promising them a burial if they returned, recognizing their service. During the Great Depression, Antioch's all but vanished when the mine shuttered. No stone left alone means these veterans get the same respect as their comrades. I think it's important for the youth today to remember the sacrifices of the soldiers from the past. To come out to these grave sites just to salute and remember these people that died and to clean up the graves. Three of the graves are unmarked. The 12 which had identification on the headstones had their names read aloud as part of a memorial service. We will remember them. I think it's important that uh, we come in here and pay our respects because this place has been neglected for nearly 100 years. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. A zigzag of destruction in Pennsylvania where two freight trains collided, scattering dozens of rail cars. Aerial video shows a line of train cars off the track southeast of Pittsburgh. It's unclear what caused the derailment. Fortunately, no one was hurt, but the cleanup will take days. Well, after a spike in phone scams, police are reminding the public that you can't use Bitcoin to pay taxes or fines. From August to October, Coquitlam RCMP saw 14 cases of phone fraud involving Bitcoin, leading to losses of more than $66,000. Scammers are targeting young new Canadians and the elderly. Government agencies, including the CRA, do not accept Bitcoin. And if someone asks you to pay a tax or fine at a cryptocurrency cash machine like these ones in Port Coquitlam, it's likely a scam. If you're being coached to go to a machine, you know that's not a legitimate government agency. Another thing to remember is that in Canada, you cannot get arrested for bad debt. If you owe money, you will not be under arrest. If a scammer is claiming that you will be arrested imminently for debt, they're a criminal. And if you've been besieged by scam phone calls lately, you're not alone. The fake rings have become such a headache that the search for, is on for a new solution. Here's Mark Carcassel. Cell phone, home phone, work phone, doesn't matter. Calls like this from fake numbers our department has decided to suspend your social insurance number have become a daily occurrence. Many report getting multiple scam calls a day lately. 
Last two weeks, it's been like twice a day. Oh, once an hour. And these calls come in waves, and we, and we are seeing one of those spikes more recently. And the Canadian Anti-Fraud Centre reports that some scammers have managed to make your call display show the number of legitimate government agencies. They can make any number they want appear on that call display, essentially. So, so you really can't trust caller ID today. You should, and most do, ignore or hang up on them. Cybersecurity expert Kelman Megu says these operations thrive because it's easy for them to do and hard for a Authorities to track. They're automated systems, it's computers connecting them automatically to numbers. And because this could all be self-contained, for example, on my laptop, I can pick up and move to a new building, you know, within minutes. The Canadian Radio, Television and Telecommunications Commission has demanded that all telecoms change their systems by December 19th to limit these types of calls. And both Rogers and Bell tell Global News that they are ready for that deadline using a technology called universal call blocking, which will clamp down on some of those bizarre numbers that come up on your call display. Some of them somehow even have letters in them. However, many feel that that's not necessarily a solution. Given times, people find a way around it. They'll find other tricks. They'll find other approaches. The CRTC says it's aggressively working with international partners and the industry to come up with new technology and solutions. But they admit it is a complex problem. Mark Carcassel, Global News. And a telecom vendor says it's to blame for a mysterious wave of text messages. Cineverse says 170,000 old text messages from multiple carriers were accidentally sent overnight. One of the company's servers failed back in February, preventing the texts from being sent. When it was reactivated yesterday, they were finally delivered, causing confusion for Apple and Android users across the U.S. Prince Harry dropping hints that he and his wife Meghan Markle are thinking about a second child. <laughs> the Duke and Duchess of Sussex made a surprise visit to military wives and their babies in Windsor, England on Wednesday. The royal couple fit right in with one mother saying Harry was interested in knowing how she manages with two children. Six months ago, the Duchess gave birth to the couple's son, Archie. Harry and Meghan are currently preparing a holiday visit to the U.S. for the first time with their baby son. In health matters tonight, two more probable cases of vaping-related illnesses have been confirmed in B.C., bringing the total to three, and in the U.S., a major breakthrough in the vaping epidemic. Experts have identified the ingredient that may be causing the mysterious illness that has killed 39 and sickened 2,000 others. Researchers discovered the clue not in the distinctive vapor, but in the residue e-cigarettes left in the lungs. Vitamin E acetate, described as a honey-like substance, is an additive in cosmetics and some vaping products, particularly those with THC bought off the street. Researchers tested 29 patients with vaping illness from 10 states, all had vitamin E acetate in their lung fluid. 23 also had evidence of THC. Vitamin E acetate, when it travels into the lung and touches the, the airways of the lung, that could trigger inflammation in the, in the lung, which is basically like a fire starting in the lung that's difficult to extinguish. 22-year-old Elijah McClure almost didn't survive that fire. He spent 12 days on a ventilator, his lungs severely injured by vaping, including THC. Now McClure warns parents about the habit that nearly took his life. Don't be oblivious to the fact that your kids may try something out there. New evidence this week shows the number of teenagers who vape doubling in the past two years. 
a habit-eating giant Jewel says it's trying to contain, pulling its mint-flavored pods the favorite of high school seniors. But menthol is still for sale. Today, President Trump promised action next week. We have to take care of our kids, most importantly. So we're going to have an age limit of 21 or so. More proof that naloxone kits are instrumental in saving lives during the opioid epidemic. The B.C. Centre for Disease Control says naloxone kits have been used to reverse 50,000 overdoses. Since 2012, the take-home naloxone program has distributed 175,000 of the free kits to drug users and people likely to witness an overdose. Close to 170,000 of the kits have been handed out since 2016 when a public health emergency was declared. A new test for U.S. drivers, the burden of the barnacle. Well, it's not so easy to remove after the forecast. I've had the boot before. The boot? Yeah. Better not be in a rush when you come out and you see the boot or that thing slapped on your windshield, right? Not a good oh. feeling. All right, let's check in with Christy. And I understand, I mean, we're so fortunate to mm-hmm. have this stretch of sunshine, but for other people in the province, you're dealing with some pretty severe weather warnings tonight. Absolutely. We, blizzard-like conditions across northern BC right now, whereas we've had 14 days of dry weather. That's going to come to an end, though. But yes, this is near Dawson Creek right now. So visibility, uh, very limited. We're going to see gusty winds along with very heavy snow, so accumulating very quickly. I recommend no travel tonight. This is Pine Pass to give you an example. Complete, uh, completely white there. So this is expected to last overnight tonight through the day on Saturday, and these are the regions that we're concerned about. Certainly Pine Pass, where that region could see up to 40 centimeters. You know why I was saying it could accumulate quite quickly. BC Peace River, especially southern regions, up to 30 centimeters. Fort Nelson up to 25, and Williston up to 10. It's not expected to push out until Saturday night. I really urge you to send us your photos. You can either send it to weatherwindow at globalnews, uh, globaltv.com, sorry, or you can tweet us. You can tweet me or Kasha. She'll be in tomorrow morning. Let us know what it's like in your area because we don't have weather stations all over the place, and it's all because of this ban, relatively stationary for the next 24 hours. It, right through the day tomorrow, it will linger there, and then late tomorrow, it shifts to the south really quickly, effect- affecting those of you in the Columbia region and then certainly spreading off into Alberta also. So a significant storm, that's for sure. Whereas back at home, rainfall overnight. First time in 14 days. Uh, We'll likely see the rainfall before midnight, so I'm not including today really as that stretch of weather. It should be actually 13 days, uh, but uh, it was mostly dry today. And we'll see that rainfall through our day tomorrow. So here's your forecast, everyone, for your Saturday. Wet along the coast, snowfall for inland regions, significant amounts. We talked about that. That will spread into the Columbia region, whereas these areas here will remain dry. We will see light rain throughout the day, 5 to 10 centimeters of, uh, sorry, millimeters of rain, dry on Sunday, and at this point it's looking dry for Remembrance Day in the morning, but that's still a a few days away, so I keep urging you to tune back in. And I've got a few weather windows tonight because I couldn't choose one. This one with the fog in the foreground, full moon in the background, an island sunrise from this morning, and last night, sunset from Crescent Beach. Great shots. Thank you everyone who shares them. Crystal clear, yeah. Thank you, Christy. 
All right, if you're parking in the U.S., beware of the barnacle. Mm -hmm. A handful of cities, including West Palm Beach, using the device for parking enforcement. The barnacle blocks the windshield and has a GPS tracker working like a boot to keep you from driving away. If you try tampering with it, an alarm will go off. Florida drivers who have three or more unpaid parking tickets could get the barnacle, and getting rid of it <laughs> is not easy. Offenders must follow instructions to release it, and once all the fines are paid, you then have to take it to one of three city drop boxes. I love the name. The barnacle. barnacle. Yes, fear the barnacle. <laughs> it's an incentive to square away those parking tickets, I suppose. There's a lot going on here tonight. There is, yeah. yeah. These are my spectacles, by the way. Yeah, I thought so. Yeah. There. All right, y'all set? I'm good. Yeah. I'm good to go. Well, it seemed like um, goals are coming so easily not too long ago. A little tougher to come by. Well, lately. you know how it goes. It's like... October, it's easier to score. November, right. a little less. December, and it just goes on and on until the playoffs. Yeah. Good news, though, from last night's loss to the Chicago Blackhawks by the Canucks. They didn't lose defenseman Chris Tanev, who, uh, after the first period, didn't play again because of an upper body injury, which obviously wasn't an issue this morning because he felt good, and he was able to play tonight's game with Winnipeg. The game also marks the return of Sven Berge, who got the start this one after spending all season long, well, not that long, but all the season so far in the minors. In fact, there he is right there with his old number 47. Happy to be back. All right, Thatcher Demko, been one of the best goalies in the NHL so far this year. Nice save there off Neil Pionk, and then nice save off Kyle Connor. First goal of the game came in the second period. Starts with a Besser move on the boards. Oop. Takes the bump, keeps the puck, another move. It's Stetcher, it's Miller, who's wide open. JT continues to score. Beats Connor Hellebuck, it's 1-0. Now, power play for the Jets. Canucks end up watching Jack Roslovich. Uh, you can hit him if you like. Nope, apparently not. That made it 1-1. Then, three minutes left in the period. Mark Shifley, rebound, beats Demko. Again, pick him up, help out. 2-1 after two periods. This game going on in Sweden, so Marcus Naslin got to drop the puck in the Sabres-Lightning game. He's from the same hometown as Victor Hedman. Very early in the game, Braden Point, Nikita Kucherov, goal. And then Kucherov shows a darker side as he just goes low and takes out Vladimir Sobotka. And Sabotka, I mean, is out of the game and not looking healthy. Then Hedman, wowing the uh, Swedish fans. His shot tipped in by Alex Kalorn. Tampa Bay wins this one 3-2 in Stockholm. Receiver Deron Carter was released by the BC Lions after one season, a season where he did not meet expectations. There were rumors that the Lions coaching staff thought about cutting him much earlier in the season, but either decided or were told to give him another chance, or maybe, to be more accurate, chances plural. Uh, he has not been the deep threat he used to be, scored only three touchdowns for the Lions, uh, already has played for four CFL teams in his career, so you might wonder, this perhaps could be the end for his CFL career. Well, the San Francisco 49ers are the only unbeaten team left in the NFL, 8-0. Last year at this time, they were 1-7. Two years ago, they were 0-8 after eight games. So this is like when Mr. Spock came back to life. 
and it makes Monday night's game between Seattle and the 49ers one of the most anticipated games of the week. And it also renews a rivalry that before the 49ers went bad was really good. It's been a half dozen years since the Seahawks 49ers rivalry was must-see TV. Since then, the 49ers have been in rebuild mode, averaging just five wins the last five seasons. But in 2019, San Francisco is officially back in the mix. They're a perfect 8-0. They've built themselves into a contender through the draft and free agency. And now they're the team to beat in the NFC West. Uh, they've played out ahead of games. They've, they've played in tough games. They've been able to do it all. Got a really good formula. You know, playing off their defense in a running game, you know how much we, we respect that. We're up against it. We've got to have a good week and uh, cranked up. The 49ers are doing everything well right now. That's why they haven't lost. Their defense has allowed less than 13 points per game, second best in the NFL. And their offense is right around 30 points per game, also near the top of the league. They'll be up against a Seahawks defense that's had its problems all season long. It's, it's one of those teams, they do a really good job of hiding. They don't really have tendencies, but, you know, it, it makes you have to read your keys and have to be disciplined because um, you can watch something one week and they won't run it uh, the next week. But the Seahawks' offense has also been rolling. Russell Wilson has never played better. He has an NFL-best 22 touchdown passes against just one interception. He's the consensus MVP over the first half of the season. What he's consistently done over the years just, um, I mean, he's one of the few guys I've seen who can consistently make off-schedule plays. Uh, usually if you live and die by that pretty hard, and uh, Russell seems to be as consistent as making those as hitting open guys in rhythm, too. And Wilson will have one more weapon at his disposal, the newly acquired Josh Gordon. Talented on the field, but troubled off it, where he's been suspended five times for violating the league's substance abuse policy. But he's expected to play Sunday, and the Seahawks feel he can make a difference. You know, he's a true pro. He's, you know, been in different systems and stuff like that. So I think that helps him, um, you know. So I think he's really fired up to be here. Um, we're fired up to have him, and uh, we're looking forward to, to how he plays on Sunday. Raptors in New Orleans. They started the season against the uh, Pelicans. Here's Lowry with a three. Oh, Chris Boucher. Chris Boucher. The Canadian. With a nice follow. And then Pascal Siakam. As hard on 26 in the first half. Good first half for the Raptors. 75-53. They led at the break. They're up 97-75 in the third. ET Canada, gather the kids. We've got Anna and Elsa at the Frozen 2 premiere. Then grab your checkbook. We've got Oprah's favorite things for 2019. That's coming up at 7 right after the news hour. But for now, it's back to you. All right. Thanks for that, Cheryl. All right. Squire has mined his sources across the globe. Yes, I have. Come up. <laughs> I usually end up in Great Britain, though, for because it's Christmas time ads for them. They always deliver. They right? always deliver. And the first one I'll show you is from Ikea. And it, uh, you know, features, um, I guess they're ornaments and little toys wrapping. Here we go.
I must confess, this place ain't blessed. This place is a mess. No, you don't deserve no guests. In here, in here, I don't wanna lay down or rest. Are you crazy? That crack in the wall needs addressing. The state of the floor is just depressing. This table's older than the pyramid. Is older? At least it's younger than the mirror is. This place is small and it's barely a house. Never mind the cat, you couldn't even swing a mouse. So small. Hmm. Those curtains are looking tired. Decorations are tired. Look, your style is fired. Fired. It's like somebody hit you with a bulldozer. Bang. If your house was a car, it would get pulled over. Excuse me, please. This is very, 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 very unacceptable. Silence the critics. IKEA, the wonderful everyday. Fresh and clean. <laughs> I don't know what that's that thing, great. I love that, that, that was thing. really good. You're gonna be singing that song all I night know. now. <laughs> okay, so um, Aldi, I guess that's how you pronounce it. Department stores, or not? Sorry, supermarket uh, stores. A few years ago, started this campaign about Kevin the carrot, who apparently makes carrots now the vegetable of choice at Christmas time instead of sprouts and the sprouts don't like it. They continue the theme. In a dark village square, an angry mob shouts because Christmas before Kevin was all about sprouts. The show's over, Kevin. Don't do it, Russell. Great work, Tiny Tom. Come on, Tommy, get your... Pies over here with cream. Decorate your Christmas trees. Smother me in cranberries. What's that flying over me? Reindeer. So come on, let me entertain you. Roast that turkey till it's bronze. Probably with your serving prongs. The oven's on, so don't belong. Christmas. Come on, come on, come on. Wow. See? High Car- end. Very high end. Okay, now I'm going to kick it old school. I got one from Doritos featuring dogs and disturbing from Orbit Gum. Here we go. Okay. Dirty mouth, huh? What have you been up to? You like them apples? I didn't do anything. He didn't do nothing. Fabulous! Orbit for a good clean feeling, no matter what. Okay, sir. What? 
good day, sir. I love that one. Yeah. <laughs> It's always good to get the classics yeah, in the there. Yeah, the classic Super Bowl. Well, as I said, in Britain, it's all about the Christmas commercials here. It's all right. about the Super Bowl. Today we combine. Start with the new, end with the old. I like it. Uh, before we leave, uh, I guess watch out for those weather warnings. Yeah, so northern BC, significant snow right through Saturday night. All right. And we'll see you at 11.